Welcome to the Second Generation Women podcast. I'm Van Anne, a second generation Vietnamese Australian, on my journey away from being the busy primary school teacher into a slower, more present version of myself. This podcast is here to help you rediscover what it is you want and to begin letting go of cultural pressure from the outside world. Yes, you'll question your identity, your life decisions, and begin trusting yourself to fully live with intention and connection. I'm so excited to be your host and walk you through this journey. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I've got someone really exciting, and we just met fairly recently. So, Jen, tell us a bit about you, where you are. Uh-huh, okay, yeah. So, I'm currently in this present moment um, on an island down the south of Thailand, but usually I'm based in the city in Bangkok, but originally from Sydney. Yeah, not too far from where I am. So, yeah, we got to talking before this um, a couple of weeks ago, I think. Let the listeners know how we came to meet. Yeah, so um, I, um, if the listeners listeners know the Level Asian podcast, so I was a guest on that podcast and I was having a chat to the host about like, you know, maybe getting into the same kind of line of work that you're in, working in coaching or working with second generation women, because I think that's one thing we have in mm-hmm. common, right? And um, yeah, and you just referred me to your Instagram page and that's how I, you know, I reached out, slid in the DMs there. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, we arranged to have a chat. And I, I was um, looking at a lot of your content and I'm like, oh yeah, I can relate to a lot of this. I get it. And this is what we need in our community, right? But also um, what we probably needed when we were young. Like imagine if we had, you know, sisters or people who were like, you know, sharing their stories with us, we wouldn't feel so like maybe isolated. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's so cool how Instagram works, the big world of Instagram, and yet we came to meet. Even though we live relatively close, except now mm-hmm. you're in Thailand, but <laughs> it it just shows how connected we are and the type, types of content that we can see online now. And I'm so glad that my sharings resonate because that's the aim, right? To connect with other people and to to expose people to another world that we live in, but we're not really like interacting with. Jerry's just like running around the house. <laughs> if you see me glancing around, that's Jerry. Yeah. And also like, you know, we don't know each other. We're kind of from the same area, but like um, we have this kind of like a shared story or like a shared in experience in our parents' experiences. Right. So they're different, mm-hmm. but we kind of have like the narrative is kind of the same, you know, refugee parents yeah. and then we're um, second generation, born in Australia, la la la. And I, I think that's really cool that we can um, kind of come together now, especially a lot of us in the community, like the second generation kids, you know, born in Australia or coming together and trying to build something and create something for our community. Yeah. Once you step your foot into that world of, second generation people, second generation women in particular, we start to see that there are so many people in this space trying to build something, as you've mentioned. And it's just so interesting that we can all kind of come together and all work together, even people from across the world in the US doing lots of big things. Coming back to you and your background, tell us a bit about 
your background, what languages you speak, and your childhood? Yeah, so I grew up in southwest Sydney, and um, my dad is Vietnamese, my mom's Chinese, so I speak Vietnamese, it would be um, my mother tongue, but I also speak like three dialects of Chinese. So I speak Cantonese, I speak Hakka, and my parents um, sent me to Chinese school to learn Mandarin when I was <laughs> young, you know. That's and amazing. Yeah, I don't know if you went to Saturday school as well. I went yes. to Saturday Vietnamese school and then I went, I went to, to Vietnamese to... and Chinese. <laughs> oh, good. So you went to see exactly, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, those are the languages I speak. Um, but those experiences, I used to think that, oh, I used to be like, why are you doing this to me, mum and dad? Like, I don't want to waste my Saturday or like my Monday afternoons doing extra lessons. I want to watch cartoons. Mm-hmm. But now mm-hmm. it's so useful. Thinking back to my experiences in Chinese school, I mean, it was kind of like rote learning and mm-hmm. memorizing characters and reading tests and things like that. And I only wanted to be there because of my friends. But, you know, Vietnamese school, I didn't have any friends there, so I didn't want to go. But now looking back, I'm like doing Duolingo on my phone, like learning Vietnamese and Chinese. And like, mm-hmm. I wish I had spent more time learning this. And it's always looking back and thinking, wow, I was such a kid. Like, I just wanted to do kid things. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do Chinese in uni as well, like an elective. Mm-hmm. Did you but do But then I didn't, I didn't end up doing it. No. I wanted to do beginner Chinese, <laughs> beginner Mandarin. Chinese is actually so hard. It is. It is. Especially when you don't speak it at home that frequently. How are your experiences? Uh, at home or speaking languages? either both (laughs) yeah um yeah no like I I think especially Mandarin like back then it wasn't like such a um common language like people were like okay it's just another Chinese language but now everybody wants to learn Mandarin like in business like even now like because I teach in um the schools in Thailand like Mandarin is like the second language they want their kids to learn Mm -hmm. Mandarin like English is not the the it language anymore so um yeah it's definitely handy that our parents you know kind of allowed us that opportunity to be like exposed us to it basically um but yeah at home I was always speaking lots of different languages because my dad would speak Vietnamese to me and then my mom Mm -hmm. would speak Hakka and then my god grandmother would speak Cantonese to me so everybody was speaking to me in a different language and then I'm like speaking English to my Mm -hmm. brothers and my cousins and my friends and stuff like that (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) if you're watching the YouTube video Jerry's just jumped on my lap (laughs) he wants to get in on the action (laughs) he wants to be where all the attention is for sure it's so interesting hearing other people's experience and how similar they are Mm. And in Thailand, it's so different to hear because obviously English is like the main language and everything else is additional. But Mm. it's so cool that Chinese is like the second. I wouldn't have expected that at all. I never thought I'd use my Mandarin um, besides for traveling. But then um, we had international students at our school coming from China to into our school and being in our classes and stuff like that. And it was like the first time I got to actively use it in a way that I thought was really useful. Like, oh, wow, I'm kind of, I have to interact with the students in Mandarin to help them because I obviously Mm -hmm. don't speak Thai 
and yeah. um, they were shy. They didn't want to speak English. So I was like, oh, wait, but I can speak your language. So let, mm-hmm. let's do this. Um, so, yeah, it, it's definitely come in handy at times for sure. So at your school, do you communicate in Thai as well? Not all the time. So to the students, we speak like strictly English and the students, yeah. are, um, they speak English back to us. So it's it's no worries about that. But in terms of like speaking Thai, I communicate to the Thai staff in Thai, well, in my broken Thai. <laughs> um, no, no, not my, I don't speak perfect Thai, but in where I can, I will try and speak it. And then otherwise I'll be speaking English. So you didn't grow up speaking Thai. How did you learn that? Ah, so going back to this language <laughs> conversation, good question. Yeah. No, but like I've been living in Thailand since 2015 and um, when I came here I was like, okay, I'm going to try and learn the language. But um, because it's a tonal language, mm-hmm. Vietnamese is also a tonal language. Yeah, you're used so to that. Tiny. Yeah, yes. And some of the words are similar. Like oh. they have some words in like, um, okay, I'm going to go Vietnamese here, like um, cut, right, mm-hmm. in yeah. Vietnamese. In Thai is cut. So it's it's like the same, right? Just a different intonation they apply to it. Cut, cut, and cut. So I, I was able mm. to pick up certain words, um, systems and stuff like that from my linguistic skills in Vietnamese and Chinese. And that helped me pick up Thai really quickly. Wow, you're amazing. <laughs> no, 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 you can do it too. You have the same skills. <laughs> exactly the same, right? If I start living in Thailand, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Language is such an interesting thing because our parents had to learn English, right, coming here. True. And, I mean, English is so different from Vietnamese and Chinese that it's mm-hmm. taken them a long time. Like how are your parents with English now? Good question. My mom, um, she arrived when she was like 16 or 17. So she was able to go to school and she picked up a lot of the English at school and she also worked as like a dental nurse where she had to communicate in English and in um, like whatever Asian languages. Um, So, yeah, but my, I think my dad, like I always wonder, I'm like, you've been here for like 30, 40 years now. Like I always think your English should be better, but I think sometimes also for them, they get like really comfortable in our community because you don't really have to speak English in our community, right? You get away with it. Um, So you'll find that maybe a lot of the older generation, they have some sort of English, but it's, um, it's not comparable to the time that they've been there. Yeah, I agree. What about your parents? Yeah, my parents came here when they were about 30. So pretty much um, that's about almost, yeah, 30 years almost. And they have to use the words that they, you know, they've learned, but then other, other words they can't. And I've always grown up doing like phone calls and everything for them, Mm -hmm. filling out forms, um, translating things and going to appointments and translating those as well. So they're not comfortable speaking English, like especially when people speak really fast. Native English speakers, we speak at a normal pace to us, but to them it's like, whoa, they kind of need certain words highlighted or emphasized for them to be like, oh, okay, I'm kind of following along with the conversation. And my mom is currently taking English classes. So yesterday I was over at her house and she was learning about food and diet and all that like all that kind of language but in English mm-hmm. and she wasn't too bad actually but a lot of things she was like what's this like what's a legume <laughs> <laughs> like it's all the jargon that that is specific to that right I would say my parents aren't like they can get away with conversational English they wouldn't choose to speak English 
if they mm. didn't have to. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of migrants or like refugee families, like not just in our community, but at the surrounding communities around us also experience this, right? Like it's, um, and that's the best thing about Australia. Like when you think about it, well, it's really multicultural in that way where you can kind of get away in your diaspora without having to speak English. There are services to support you in that way. Yeah, where we live, it's mostly Vietnamese anyway. So they can just speak Vietnamese when they go out to the shops. Yeah, and they yeah. go to the Asian grocer and they've got their um, familiar foods and sauces. So it's not a big deal to them. Yeah, even the government services, right? You know, if you're going to Centrelink or like um, services in New South Wales or something like that. There are always people there that can speak the same language. So what are some of your experiences as a daughter, as a sibling, if you have siblings, while you've grown up here in Australia? Now that I look back at it in hindsight, there was a lot of confusion that I couldn't, I didn't identify as confused then, but more so like I couldn't place, I don't know if you experienced this, but I was always like, um, when I was younger in conflict with my parents in some ways with um, values, Mm. because, you know, we we grew up in Australia, we're in this education system that's really Western. And then we go home and then we've got this like really um, traditional Vietnamese culture you know seeped in values and then I was always like really in the middle and I'm like I'm so confused because I don't resonate with either or like I'm not completely just Aussie do you know what I mean because there's so so many parts of us like that are Asian and then I'm not fully Asian either so um, as a daughter I think like um I was always conflicted with that and that kind of showed up in different ways and how I interacted with my parents throughout like I know being a child all the way to like through my teens but I've got two younger brothers and I'm the eldest yeah do you have any siblings I'm the oldest too oh cool do you have any like do you have I have a younger brother and sister Oh, cool. See, it's like our experiences thing. are similar then. I mean, like yeah, in terms yeah, of yeah. parents' expectations on on the eldest child, how mm. did that look for you? Uh, I basically, I mean, not my middle brother, but I basically like was raising my youngest brother because my parents were working and so um, there was a lot of responsibility put on you, like not even um, – I mean, intentionally, because I talk about, you know, your role as the eldest sister, um, but also like you're expected to lead in a very responsible way Mm -hmm. because you're the first one. You make all the decisions. It doesn't matter. Like your brothers can have an altercation. They might, you know, need to make a decision, but you get to call it. I don't know if you have that. Like Mm -hmm. you get authority because you're the eldest. I 100% relate. Like we're always the role model for them that we have to make sure that we're responsible, we're doing everything as we're told, we're following that timeline, you know, setting the example for our siblings to go to uni and getting a good job and all those things. So definitely relate. Yeah, and it's hard because um, it's a lot of pressure and especially if that timeline doesn't correlate with what you want for yourself, I think. And um, I've broken all of them. At times I have like immense amounts of guilt where I'm like, oh, I'm not doing the right thing. I'm not I'm showing my brothers the right way or like I'm not um, listening to my parents, um, something like that. But that's always juxtaposed with like, well, how do I want to lead? 
do I not, do I want to lead in the way that's that they see leadership or do I want to lead in a way how I see it and um yeah so me leaving Australia was like a huge thing for my family yeah that's so different coming from an Asian culture where we're expected to live at home until we get married you've changed your whole life and love what you said about that conflict that inner conflict that you had like how do you want to lead like based on how your parents tell you like based on whatever they say and that you should just do as they say and follow or lead your brothers by showing them that there are other opportunities out there and that you're still respecting your parents in a different kind of way that you're showing them that you came to Australia for a reason and that we are able to follow through with all these opportunities and expose ourselves to this bigger world right and showing our siblings that yeah you you can do all these things that it's possible instead of just you know staying in that little bubble which is safe because parents especially immigrant parents they love doing what's safe Mm, and you're kind of stepping out of that exactly yeah um I I had this really difficult conversation with my parents you know like I don't know about you but I I find it sometimes it's better now but like having these um, deep and meaningful conversations with my parents about these things because it's, you know, they, growing up we don't talk about our emotions. Like sometimes I don't have the vocabulary to express mm-hmm. my emotions in our language um, to the yeah. breadth that I would like. Um, but, yeah, having a difficult conversation, I said to them, you know, like I think I value freedom, I value mm-hmm. happiness, and I value doing what I'm passionate about. And I want to lead from that space. I want to show my brothers that you can do what you love and still thrive. You don't have to do what you hate and then feel terrible, even though you make lots of money. Yeah, it's out of obligation, right? Because our parents said we have to do this or people, a lot of people just follow on with careers just because it's the easy path. Mm. Or and it's then the we end up regretting it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of, do, do you regret um going down the career path that we went down did you mention that you're also a teacher (laughs) (laughs) no but yeah we're both teachers which is like really cool and grade five teachers too right yeah yeah so we found out we have so much in common besides from the expectations and pressures from our culture but also in terms of our career and no I don't regret it because through that I've learned so much as well and I do enjoy it it's just now I think I've kind of reevaluated my life. And as you mentioned, like identifying your values and kind of stepping out of what people have always said about you and this like identity that was placed on me and kind of stepping out and saying, wait, I'm not that quiet, shy person that everyone said I was. And I'm mm-hmm. not just one who just follows the rules all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like doing what's different, but what aligns with my values. And I love that you mentioned that. That's why I was like, when I was looking at a lot of your content, I'm like, I have to reach out um, to you because I feel that what you're doing is really inspirational in a sense that like, you know, um, and I'm, I'm thinking I'm relating it to myself, obviously, because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, imagine me telling my parents I'm going to like stop working full time and just work a few days a week and then like. Mm-hmm move on to a side hustle and they'll be like, what's your side hustle? What are you doing? Are you opening up a business? Well, yeah, I'm kind of like getting into coaching. What's that? 
how are you going to make money from that? Yeah. I don't know. Like that's, that's my, <laughs> I, I, that's how I process. Like that's their reaction. So the fact that you, you're in that process when right, you're doing it says like, you're already stepping out. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool for like people in our community, girl, women, you know, in that mm-hmm. bubble. Yeah. And especially for people who weren't originally that kind of person, like wasn't one to be a rebel and like break all the rules when they were kids. So it was really hard for me to do that. And just thinking, can I even do that as a person? Like, would I Mm. be able to step back and not be a full-time teacher anymore? Like that was a huge fear of mine. And I've kind of ummed and ahed over it for so long until Mm. I finally decided to do it. I can resonate with that because I, 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 every year, like for the last five years, I had been through that process of, oh, maybe I should stop and just like figure out a different career path or try something different because I've not tried mm-hmm. anything different for 10 years, just been in education. And then um, that's like, that's another similarity that we have this year because we've both stepped back from our careers, you know, mm-hmm. our, our professions, what we studied and um, just trying to navigate doing something different for ourselves yeah stepping back definitely what we did because a lot of people would just say like quit your job and then do something new and it's like no we we want that safety still like we kind of want to take a step in that direction and test it out and (laughs) really kind of mentally prepare ourselves for what we're going to do yeah and how have you been finding it all the fears that I had about that like none of them came true like I'm still I'm still earning money. I've got my parents on board. Like it's not as scary as you think. Especially when it's the very first big thing that you're doing that's different. You have that like you have reservations about like oh should I even do that? Should I not? Like can I is that possible for me? You have all these doubts. But then as I've learned recently, fears are just stories that we think might happen. Mm. They're based on our past, but doesn't mean that every time we try something new, something bad's going to happen. And all the fears that our parents have instilled in us doesn't mean that it's going to be true, especially mm. people starting a business or doing something new. It's like starting a business is hard. Yes, I get that. But it doesn't mean that's not totally possible. Yeah. So how are you going through that process now? Ah, yes. Yeah. So I'm, I was just, so many things came up when you were speaking um, that I was like, oh, yes, yes. Um, so we, we're talking about where we were. And then fear being in the middle here. On the other side of that, and I'm sure you can resonate with this, it's so liberating. It's so freeing. It's so like, oh, I feel so aligned. And I can't believe I spent so much time on this side being afraid to jump over that wall. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But now that we're, we're, we've kind of gone over and we're on this side and we're just like, wow, was this here that whole time? And I was just, it was just that fear in the middle that was like, stopping me you know these stories these limiting beliefs and then what you said earlier um about the fears our parents instilled into us that's so huge because like that scarcity that insecurity or like Mm -hmm. that you know not having that security um it's so strong it's like in our blood you know um so having gone over it feels amazing like I feel really aligned and it's brought about opportunities like this for me to connect with like-minded people yes definitely how how would we have just like done this and like found that we're on the same journey or similar journey um so I'm really grateful for that like 
bringing about new things into my life that I never thought I could bring into it. Yeah. Yeah. And back to our parents' beliefs, like so many of us, I would say everyone, um, but in particular, you know, second gen women like us, these survival beliefs that our parents have because they've had to overcome so much and the trauma that they brought with them to Australia and the things they've witnessed and experienced themselves, it's just truly amazing what they've done. And of course, we can never really understand that. And even from the stories that they tell, but of course, with that comes so many beliefs about how the world works. And to us, the world is like open and we've got so much freedom. So, so many things can happen for us in Australia compared to what they've had experienced before. And so much of that is like dampened because our parents are like, no, you can't do that because this is going to happen. Or you should do this instead because this is what all my friends have done or my friends' kids have done. And so we've kind of narrowed our focus of life, right? We think that these are the opportunities available to us because we can't do that. And this is what was successful to our parents. How do you resonate with that? Oh my God, so deeply because like, um, I guess that they're applying their frame of reference onto us, right? And like when they got arrived in Australia, they were like, these are the things that we can do. And we're scared. They are afraid for us that we can't do the things that we want. You know, like even if we had dreams of like, I don't know, traveling around or like whatever the dreams are, they're afraid that we won't be able to get it because they couldn't get it, you know? And so so they they set up a life where they're like, this is safe, this, these things you know you can get. You know you can succeed if you open up a small business in the area, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then we're like, but why, why won't I do it in the city? Why won't I do it in another town that, that's thriving? Oh, no, 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 you can't do that. That's not going to work out. But if you do it in the area, like where we in our community, it, it'll be okay. You know, it's like, it's like, like you said, it's really limiting. And um, I think, I feel like because we're so abundant, our generation, we have these opportunities. We're not worried about losing a job because there's a safety net. That's, that's one of the best things about Australia, right? So we feel really fearless in sometimes in our pursuit of like more daring and risk adverse than our parents. And um, yeah, and I feel like, Sometimes we sell ourselves short because of that. You know, we're like, oh, okay, maybe mum, dad are right. Like I shouldn't do that, shouldn't do this, da-da-da. Um, but, yeah, we get the chance here to, like, shift that. You know, that's why you're, you're, you've got the podcast and, you know, the platform so you can, like, shift that for our generation but, like, all these other generations behind us as well. That's amazing how both of us are kind of, like, stepping into this new world and seeing – the possibilities for us because there are so many people I talk to who want to make a change but are stuck by the fear that they have and the fears of everybody else speaking into their mind saying, oh, you know, but what about this? And a lot of people are just paralyzed. So they're just like, I'm just going to stay here. I'm just going to do what I'm doing. It works. I'm okay with it. I'm content. I mean, there are things I could do better and I would love to pursue in the future. But right now, I'm okay living this life. Like I, I work a nine to five and I have time for family, have time for friends. Like some people are just satisfied with that, even if they want to pursue different things. 
Mm, mm. I find that so hard, especially having done the nine to five, so it's like full time as a teacher. I found that so like um, constricting. Like I felt like I wasn't living, you know, because you're following that schedule. And I was like, oh, I really want to do something that excites me, that ignites a fire in me. And I think if I did that, I would be a better daughter in in terms of like I'd be happier, you know. I'd be a better sister because I'm actually pursuing what I love. I'd um, be a better friend because like, you know, I've got so much more love to give. Um, and that's, that, that was like my um, reasoning for stepping out as well. I was like, oh, imagine who I would be if I actually pursued what I love the person, the gen I'd be, the daughter I'd be for my parents if I actually loved what I did and was happy and felt whole. Everything you mentioned, so relatable. And I think a lot of people kind of see a glimpse of that on the other side, but they don't have the courage to step over the fear to get there. They're like, it's not worth it. But that's what I teach in my programs. It's like becoming the person that you want to be having a new perspective of life, doing things you're passionate about and becoming a better everything, you know, a better person for yourself, a better partner, a better daughter, a better employee. Like you just appreciate life so much more when you are in alignment. And I think you mentioned that in your story recently about living in alignment, right? How does that look for you? Yeah, I think living in alignment um, is not like, it's funny because alignment sounds like a sh- like you're, you're clicking into yourself like this. But actually, because that click, it takes all these other clicks around to make that one actually click into alignment. And so what alignment looks like to me is um, flexibility. So doing what I love, because I'm still teaching, right? But I, I, it's more flexible. Um, doing what I love and then like pursuing my passions or navigating having like um, your own business or starting your own business and having the freedom, I think, to go on holidays and not be constricted by time. And I think the biggest thing for me and the thing that I've been, I don't know, avoiding or like really afraid of is I, I'm afraid of being held down. Okay. That's like the the internal thing. But in a physical manifestation, I always see like if you get a mortgage and you want to buy a home in Australia, you're literally held down. And mm-hmm. I fear that so years. much. Yeah, yeah, years. yeah. Yeah, I fear that so much because I'm like, oh my God, you have to be working to pay that off for 30 years. Like even if, if, even if you wanted to take like one month, two months off, like it's so scary because you got to like meet these repayments. And so, um, yeah, living in alignment to me means flexibility and freedom. And those sound like your biggest values. You mentioned freedom mm-hmm. in the beginning as well. And I love that because alignment and finding finding your yourself and your identity, it all kind of comes back to your values mm-hmm. because then yeah. it, everything falls into place naturally once you know what is important to you. Mm-hmm. So that's why you live in Thailand right now, like that freedom. Even though, you know, in Australia you do have freedoms, it's just different because of the relationships that you have here that might restrict you a little bit whereas overseas you can you can work flexibly that's also kind of freedom in a way yeah yeah I didn't even know my value was freedom actually because until I had a conversation with my dad and I didn't even think my dad knew me in that way 
right? And he was like, you know, because he was talking about me and my siblings and he was like, you guys all value different things. And I'm like, yeah, you, do, do you think you know what we value? And then, um, and then he started telling me what my brothers value and I'm like, so what do you think I value then? And I was like, I don't think my dad knows the answer. And my dad's like, Jen, you, you he doesn't call me that. He calls me my, my Vietnamese name, by the way. But um, yeah. he says, you value freedom. You know, ever since you were a child, like your teens or whatever, you always valued being able to do what you wanted to do. You value freedom. You didn't, you never cared about what was going on around you. You always went for your pursuit of freedom. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know that. And he gave, like, he opened that up to me, like, made me realize that. And it was, it's funny because my whole life up until that point, I thought he didn't understand me, that I wanted to be free. But, yeah, in a weird kind of way, everything aligned. And he's like, no, but this is what you love. I love that you can have those kind of conversations with your dad. It's taken a lot of work, tell you what. I don't know about you, but it's been a journey with um, my parents to get to a point. And it's not until, like, now, I'm, I'm 32 now, right, that I'm able to openly speak to them and, like, share with them in a way that's, like, more open than what it was before, more mature, less, like, less like blamey and less, I don't know, hiding. Like I was hiding a lot of things from them, like hiding who I was, what I was doing. But now I'm just like, look, this is me. That goes to show that you're not ashamed or embarrassed of whatever you're doing now. Like you're proud of your life and the decisions you've made, right? And you're kind of on that same level as your parents now. Like we're not a kid anymore and they don't treat us like kids, right? Because a lot of the times we act in certain ways with our parents because they treat us like a kid and so we can't trust ourselves to make decisions mm-hmm. and Around everything them, we do yeah if, whatever, everything we do we've got to like ask for feedback ask what do you think about this and so now like you trust yourself enough to say hang on I know what I want and parents this is what I'm doing it might not be what you're thinking I should do with my life but that's what I'm doing yeah, yeah. And and that takes time to cultivate, especially I feel like the second generation, um, not just women, but men too, right? To bridge that gap or like to meet them halfway there um, in terms of that level of I'm not the child. You can't always tell me what to do, even though it comes from a good place, but I can make my own decisions. I, I, I trust myself. Um, and that takes time. It took me 30 years or so to get to that point. Um, but I want to go back to values. What are your values? Definitely one of mine is family. And, well, family, I would say relationships in general. Like I love connecting with people. Like I'm looking at my vision board behind the screen. This was what I made probably like two, three years ago. And some of those words are like balance and connection. and That's why when I first started my Instagram page, it was about like work-life balance because that's what I was struggling with and I didn't connect the dots at the time. But yeah, balance in terms of like life and everything, like physically, mentally, and then relationships, that's really important to me, like that sort of connection with people. And that's what I've been trying to cultivate myself as well, like building that connection on a deeper level. And not just surface level with colleagues, especially because you're there to do a job, right? 
but connecting with people outside of work or having that time to get to know people really well. Like I'm not extroverted. I lean more towards introverted, but I have bursts of energy where I just love talking to people. So I would say those two are my biggest balance in terms of everything, but then connection and relationships. Oh, amazing. So beautiful. Yeah. Like I always like seeing what people value because then you get to know them and and what's dear to them. And then like you kind of see a glimpse of like who they are. And that's why I've integrated that into my coaching, into my Instagram and now having the podcast and having people on there like you who I can connect with and having a space where we can have these conversations and people are listening and are saying, okay, I can have these conversations too with my friends. That's so important because like, as you've said in the beginning, we don't really have space for these types of conversations now, especially when you get older and you're busy and people have their own priorities. But having the space to talk is, it's just really heartwarming. Yeah. It's super nice to like, um, connect in a way that's like deep and meaningful I think for the parties involved like where you're talking about matters of the heart because like the things that we discussed here is not like things like you know what do you, you know what clothes are you wearing or what what house are you buying they're, they're not external materialistic things it's things that like hit us to the core our family um you know our core values and and how we're navigating that in this world at the moment and yeah you're right like I I mean I even have some friends like um where you you connect with them but you don't connect like this you just talk about oh hey how's it going what you been up to how are your kids blah 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 and then that's it and I love having these kinds of conversations because it really shows the direction that people want to go in and where they are in life because a lot of people are kind of stuck in the mundane things and it's like yeah I'm, I'm like raising my family and I want to do this and that, but they're kind of things that on a surface level seem very like monotonous things that always come up. Right. But like, what are your dreams? What do you want to pursue? What do you like? What kind of things are you inspired by? Yeah, like, I love talking to people about that kind of stuff because then, you know, it shows that life isn't just like a, a routine of the same things and you are allowed to dream. You are allowed to imagine all this life for yourself and for the people around you to show them that life is more than this. Like it's, there's a purpose to it. And, you know, you are able to create something during this lifetime. Oh, I hope all the listeners are like hearing that just like those, like you are able to imagine you can dream and you can Mm -hmm. go for it. I think that's like a huge, like super important message to, I think, um, get out there and let people know that it's okay. You know, it's Mm -hmm. okay that you don't want to that monotonous life. It's okay that, you know, that's not your thing, but whatever it is, your thing, you go, go for it because it, actually keeps you so alive what is coming up in the future for you oh good question um I I used to be a planner I used to want to know what I'm doing but um, used to did that all change (laughs) yes because I feel like before I mean I'm still much a planner but now I'm I let go a little bit I'm not so like controlling about it whereas before I need to know like okay in six months I need to know if I'm going to be staying here if I'm going to be moving to a different city am I going to go home like those were like all of my thoughts but now I'm just like I'm just going to flow with it 
I have things that I want to do and I trust that I trust the universe and I trust myself and I trust that it will whatever direction it goes in it's where I'm meant to go um, but in terms of like what's coming up I am finishing my degree in October so that's uh, exciting because that's one something I want to I've been wanting to do so um, yeah, I'm going to be finishing my psychotherapy degree. And then I'm, I'm recently just working on building my little um, side hustle. So I'm going to be spending some time, investing time and energy into that. And then, yeah, just more holidays. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the best life. I have a final question for you. Yeah, How will you it. continue to live with intention and connection? One word or one theme that I always kind of fall back on is to make sure that I'm grounded physically, mm-hmm. like feel the ground. Like every, anytime I feel like I'm a bit, oh, so I'm, I'm feeling discomfort, I always try to get grounded through meditation, through connecting with nature, whatever it is. I feel like if I have that base, literally that foundation of being grounded, I can do anything be anything, be who I want to, whatever, if that's there. But if I'm not grounded, I feel like anything beyond that is like tainted. It's not going to be intentful. It's not going to be like um, connected to self. For me, being connected to myself, being connected to my, my authority and like how I show up comes from a place of me being grounded. It's different for everyone. But that, that's for me. Yeah. What about you? I want to know you too. <laughs> well, actually, I was, I was thinking similar things as you were talking about that. I'm like, yeah, I always focus on myself first and then emanating that out to everybody else. So if you have the light like lit from within, then you're able to light other people's lamps as well. It's always important to serve yourself first. I know that sounds really selfish, um, but, but at the same I time, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's so self. It's it's actually like better for the people around you when you look exactly. after yourself first. But just coming back to the whole cultural thing, you know, in our culture, it's it's very taboo to serve yourself. It's collectivist, you know. It's it's about the family. It's about the community. It's about like all of us. It's not about you. You can't think about yourself, right? And I think that's also like a really confusing, jarring thing for us to navigate as well. Um, that's why people are so like, oh, I don't know if I can do what I actually want to do because that's being selfish. I feel like we've got to continue this conversation. There's so much to unpack <laughs> from everything that we've, you've just mentioned. I have loved this conversation with you, Jen, and I can't wait for our listeners to to hear this as well. Thank you so much. I really like, it's just like, I can feel it here in my heart, some of the things we spoke about. And I'm like, oh, I feel so like, seen I feel so like you know like we can relate to each other I'm like oh so comforted knowing that I'm not the only one who have experienced all these experiences that we've had um growing up and even to now well thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you thank you so much It would mean so much to me if you were to follow the podcast on Spotify and give it a five-star rating. To do this, search the Second Generation Women podcast on the Spotify app and it should be right under the description. Thank you so much. Thank you.